Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, welcome back to a, another episode of Done Playing by the Rules. I'm Jenna. And I'm Janelle. And we're kind of a and mess. And today, <laughs> we're a mess. Today okay, so, or this month? Yeah. This whole summer, Jenna, the whole yeah. summer into fall for you. Yeah. So we founded this podcast, Done Playing by the Rules, um, on us wanting to reach out to people and share um, our grief stories and make people feel less alone in their grief. We really felt like, I mean, I don't know, something about recording the podcast made me feel like I like had it under control mm. and I had all the tools now because I recorded a podcast on it and then... Um, I'm dead in the middle of anniversaries. Jenna's dead in the middle of anniversaries. And we are fucking wrecked. We are wrecked. I just fell asleep on the couch for no reason for two hours in the middle of the day. I haven't slept for three days. If you, I was going to say, there is is a reason. And one thing people don't talk about with grief is, one, you sleep a lot more. But two, it's not quality sleep. I have very vivid dreams. And they're not always about my parents. And they're not good dreams. If I ever dream about my parents, it's very negative. It's about I have no I know no one that has good dreams. Okay, so I don't have any dreams about my dad, but my sisters are really negative too. And I don't know mm-hmm. anybody that has good dreams about their last parent. Do you? No. I have dreams no matter that how my much mom. You love them. My mom is stuck and she can't come mm-hmm. with me. I have dreams that my mom is drunk and belligerent. I have dreams that my mom is mean and yelling at me. And I have dreams that my dad won't talk to me. It's real fun. It's so weird. Yeah. No, so yeah, I'm glad I wake I up exhausted. Dreams. Yes. <laughs> I would rather not. Ha- and sometimes I won't even remember the dream and I'll just be in the really bad mood and then something will trigger it and I'll remember it. And then I'm in a worse yeah. mood. You'll just get like the flash of it and you'll be like, oh yeah, I had that horrid nightmare last night. Like my sister fully remembers them and will tell me about them. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm She's like, the other night he was calling me screaming at me because he couldn't get the cable to work, but he couldn't get through to me on the phone. And she was like, I think yeah. it means that he can't like get through to me from the mm-hmm. other side or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I'd rather just have fitful sleep. Like Zach got in my bed this morning. He was like, your bed's soaking wet. And I was like, <laughs> he's like, did you wet the bed? And I was like, no, I just sweat through the night and just toss and turn fitfully until I can't like function any longer. Mm-hmm. And I never really realized like that's a symptom of grief. There's so many symptoms of grief. And yeah. you and I are in the thick of it. Jenna, do you want to tell your like vague um, summer of loss story? <laughs> When did yeah. your when did your um anniversary start for you? Well, there was a lot so coming into summer, late spring yeah. of triggering, not necessarily anniversaries, but big moments. For example, mm-hmm. this is when we found out we were pregnant. This is when I had to call hospice. This is when we kind of had last big moments with my mom. This is also at the end of spring was the last time I saw my dad. And it was the first time he met my daughter. She was... So when my dad passed, my daughter was three months. When my mom passed, I was about three months pregnant. So anything relating to my daughter is very sensitive. And so all those are kind of coming up. And then it was my dad's anniversary 
recently and of his passing of his passing and then my mom's anniversary is coming up also on my mom's anniversary is the anniversary of my dad's funeral so i was at my dad's funeral on my mom's one year anniversary so it's still like the most heartbreaking story of all time every time i hear it i'm like i'm going to be sick yep <laughs> basically my theory is that i'm in a simulation and somebody is controlling <laughs> and like let's the see what else we can do in the world is control oh my god who is controlling it what a dick it's bob <laughs> behind his keyboard <laughs> i oh, told so my I husband just, I, this and he thought it was ridiculous he was like are you kidding me i was like it gets me through at this point because what, nothing else like seriously it, okay yeah yes and nothing yeah. you and I talk about that a lot is like why do all the dickhead people get to live and all the rad people don't yes. like there has to there's something like there's something controlling it okay maybe we'll say it's Jesus and not Bob the simulation mm-hmm. okay we'll figure it out oh and then add in there can we throw in there like mothers and fathers days too is like all kind oh, of in there can we so. just not like I would mm-hmm. also I think that's okay so I'm gonna make my two points then I want to come back to father's day and how complicated that is because we have to celebrate our husbands. Yes. Because they're fucking rad fathers while we're desperately mourning our own fathers. And if and you have a father in law, you have to celebrate oh, your father in law. All of it yep. is so triggering. And it is such a, you, yeah, last year we didn't even acknowledge it. Like I was just yeah. like, Josh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I think we wrote him like a card with a marker and was like, that's Aww. it. That's all yep. we're doing. But, um, Two points, Jenna, for the lay person that isn't a griever, Jenna, using the word anniversary is interchangeable with the word of their death date because anniversary for people that haven't experienced grief probably Mm. think it's like their wedding anniversary or something joyous. Guess what? You don't get to have joyous anniversaries anymore. Now you have death, sickness anniversaries and all of those anniversaries. So when she says anniversary, she's talking about death anniversaries or anniversaries of a hospitalization or surgery. And then... Um, something, an article that my sister sent from our favorite psychology today, written by Dr. Helen or Ellen Hendrickson, despite the patterns being predictable, the reactions themselves are varied as individuals who are experiencing them. Sometimes the mind remembers even unconsciously in a psychological reaction, like a spike in depression or PTSD can be triggered by the weather, the light or other seasonal reminders like back to school are the first signs of spring. <laughs> and can we dive into that? But first I want to acknowledge today is Bumpa, which if you've been listening you know who that is, birthday, which is Janelle's <laughs> yes. dad. And, and that's another layer on mm-hmm. layer on layer. And so we thought this would be a great time um to kind of go a little more into grief because we're mm-hmm. learning ourselves. And every time I reach out to people, they're like, you've helped me so much. And I find that eye-opening because I feel like I'm still in the thick of it. And I'm like, how did I help you? Because I still But the people that are a little bit, I think of it as like crossing the river and all of us holding hands. And the people Mm -hmm. that are like almost to the other side of the riverbank are like pulling the people that are just entering along. That's true. But we're we're really good examples of this because Jenna's um, experiencing a fourth and a third anniversary season. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm coming into my second. And so everyone says, a lot of people say the first year is the hardest. And then I know half Mm -hmm. of people say the (laughs) second and subsequent years are the hardest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're in shock for half of the first year. Yep. Um, But I thought I was really coming into this with a mental – I had extra therapy lined up like the article says. And I was ready to go. And I recorded a grief podcast so I know everything. And I got Mm – 
fucking smoked today. Like yep. just rocked out of my mind. I sat at my kid's swim lesson and just cried the whole way through with my huge fake sunglasses on. And like, it was a wreck. I'm a wreck yep. today. And my dad's, you also have to understand like, yes, it's his birthday, but it was also the day that he was supposed to come out of his like surgical fog and mm-hmm. it's often Father's Day falls on his birthday. And so- yep. This is just a really heavy week. He went into surgery mm-hmm. two days ago, two years ago, and the surgery was supposed to be – I mean, we knew he was really sick, and but it was supposed to be a quick and easy in and out, right. but we knew like there was some bad stuff going on. We had all the hope in the world, and then today I foolishly and Jenna was like, get off social media. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to go on anymore. <laughs> went on to Facebook, and it was like the board from his hospital room in the ICU where they wrote like, happy birthday, Steve. Uh, yes. <sighs> stay off social media in your days. <laughs> That's yep. my next tip. But yep. I thought that was interesting that you feel it coming into spring because I don't usually – and I might just not be expert at – I call myself like a grief veteran now, but I'm not. You and I are brand new at this. Yep. But we're not as brand new as those people that are brand, brand new. So if we can exactly. help those brand, brand new know that it gets easier and the days of horror get fewer and far between, but there will always still be days where you don't sleep for three days and fall asleep on the couch and cry at yep. some lessons. It's just the way Well, it and happens. I – I personally don't think it gets easier. I think you learn to manage and you learn to live with it. Yeah. Because I think there have been years, and you would think having one parent pass 11 months after the other, I would be like, okay, I know what to expect every second anniversary, every third. No, it's different Mm -hmm. every time. And sometimes the rug is pulled completely out from underneath me. And I find lately... Like before, I feel like I was super tired, super low energy, just irritable. Now I'm almost hyper. These big dates, I've been very hyper, a lot of heart palpitations. I feel like I could run a marathon. Um, I don't want to be inside the house. I just want to get out, go, 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 go. And then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden I crash. And it's that nervous energy. And whenever I describe that to people, they're like, well, aren't you sad? Like, don't you want to kind of just like sit and talk and have a cup of tea? Reminisce. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I need to get out and go and be active. I need to go for a bike ride. I need to go for a hike. I am nervous, anxious, and I can't tell you why. And so the article that Janelle was referring to was really interesting because I had a spiraling out kind of week last week. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I have to toot my own horn. Beep, beep. Because <laughs> usually I'm proud I, of you. You should. Because I noticed I was doing a lot of my OCD behaviors. We went camping. I was sanitizing more than is healthy. I was paranoid about my kids getting sick. Our dog was sick. And then I was like, now the kids are going to get it, which if you think about it, that doesn't really make sense because dogs and humans don't really pass sickness. And I was just kind of spiraling. I was being very neurotic about food and is this cooked? Is this clean? And our house, I felt like my house was caving in on me in a mess and it wasn't. You literally did. I could tell from that. I could tell from when we were talking that you were fully sure that you were living in some sort of like dilapidated falling over structure and your house is Mm -hmm. the cleanest house I know in the whole world. And then you're like, I'm not giving enough time to this. I'm not giving enough. I'm not giving. And you were fully in Mm -hmm. it and your brain, your body fully believed what your brain was telling you. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I had that mentality that I wasn't doing anything good enough because I was stretched so thin. So I was like, I'm only giving 30% to everything 
and I need to be giving more to certain things and I'm spiraling. And so I had a play date and I, it was with one of my best friends and I canceled because I was like, what if her kids are sick? What if my kids get sick? I need to clean the house. I need to do laundry. And I started talking to her that morning and I was like, I feel like you're mad at me because I canceled. And so I was like spiraling because I was also like, I'm not being a good enough friend. And every avenue of my life, I was like, I'm not eating healthy enough. Like every avenue I was like spiraling. And I haven't had that in a really long time. So she was like, just come over. My kids weren't even awake yet. And I was like, this is where I was proud of myself. Cause usually I'd be like, no, I need to do certain things. I was like, screw it. And I told my husband, I was like, I need to go. And he was like, okay. And so I just left and I went to her house and we talked through it and she gave me great tips which I will happily share. And I'm sure I'll mention a few times on here. And then I started talking through it and I started talking to Janelle and she was like, and what about grief? And I just started crying. I was sitting on my bedroom floor. This is after I got home. And I was like, that's it. I had no idea. I looked in my phone. This was on Friday. I looked in my phone and I was like, my dad's anniversary is on Monday. I didn't even remember. You had no idea. I had no idea. And I just started bawling and I was like, that's it. And my Mm -hmm. life, I've had that nervous energy, but now everything feels easier. I'm still coming down from it. So I am still cleaning a little bit, but like the laundry's not done. My to-do list for that day was at least 50 things. And And then I looked back at it after I realized it was grief. And I was like, why did I think that needed to be done? I do the same thing. I get in these frenzied panics and like sometimes it'll be that I need to buy something and this happened. I bought this giant jewel reorganizer. I think I don't know if I I told my sister this story and now I can't return it because the window expired. It's as it's bigger than my kids. I don't even Jenna, how much jewelry do I wear? These two bracelets and this (laughs) ring. Three things. That's it. And I have hundreds of pieces that I should donate. And it's all costume jewelry. It's not worth anything. Mm -hmm. But I needed a jewelry organizer and I needed it. I had I had it ordered and sent to our house before we even lived here. And like you just spiral into these yes. weird obsessions because your brain is like, focus on anything but mm-hmm. this trauma. Focus on anything yep. but this trauma. And I could so vividly see it happening to you that yeah. day. I don't even think I realized that it was our parents' anniversaries coming up. But I was like, oh, this is this is yeah. something is happening. And then I was like, oh, God, we're a week out mm-hmm. or whatever from our stuff. And yeah. so that was really re- – because when you become so – and you kept using the word ruminating, and I was like, mm-hmm. nah, was. this is grief. This is griefy, yes. and this, this smells fishy. And it's hard but that's a part of it too. I've always had anxiety. So anxiety tied in with grief, it's like which is which. Is this grief mm-hmm. or is this anxiety or is it both? And it's really hard. And so I was really grateful you could like separate those. And can you share, you told me, and I can never quote it perfectly like you did, the quote from your grief group about the head and the heart. Oh yeah. I love that one. Okay. So my grief group, and this is something that it talks about, and we're going to link the article from psychology today, but the article also says it's never too late to join a grief support group. So Mm -hmm. even if you're five or 20 years out from the grief event and you're still experiencing trauma reactions, you can still go to a grief group and they will welcome you with open arms. But Mm -hmm. I joined my grief group 11 days after my dad died, which may have been a little premature, but the best thing I took away from that, well, I was like basically like circling the drain. Like I couldn't even function in Mm -hmm. my family. 
the best thing I took away from that is that your brain doesn't always remember the date, but your heart keeps a calendar. And it talks a lot about that in this article that we're going to link from Psychology Today. Your body's reptilian response is, and they talk a ton about experiments that show this scientifically, your body registers a time of year to a traumatic Mm -hmm. event and stores it in your memory to protect you as a human being. And so they talked about some experiments they did with soldiers returning from the Gulf War and um, people that were involved in a deadly flood. And Mm -hmm. that time of year trickles around and they all have these very marked Mm -hmm. responses and they're all very – but that's the other thing the article – and I think you and I have talked about is grief looks so much like anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. It's – almost hard to tell. And if you're somebody that lives with anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. you're just going from a five to a 10 Mm -hmm. and you can't, you just think like, oh, maybe my meds are off or maybe something's wrong Mm -hmm. because you're, you know, this feeling you've lived here before, but you don't realize like this will go away in a week or two. If you're on the other, if you're a year out, if you're not a year out, this might not go away in a week or two. It might take six months or whatever. But once you get past that year mark, this will go away after a week or two. Mm-hmm. This isn't you forever. And that was the hard part about early grief is you feel like this is you forever. Forever. I was sure yeah. I was that way forever. Yeah. And you even mentioned to me like maybe it's your meds when I started spiraling. And I was like, I don't think so because it was so sudden. And I yeah. honestly think it was we went camping and we had a camping trip from hell. And I think – and that was like the first real signs of like – end of spring slash summer, like, because we were at a beach location, which my parents loved. And I really think my body was like, I know what's going on, but you don't. Yeah. And I (laughs) really think that's what got me. And I had never heard that quote. So even three and four years out, I'm still learning this and it makes so much sense. And I'm always just like, oh, it's, it's anxiety this time of year because things are changing and school's ending and I'm trying to get in a new routine. Well, no, it's fucking grief fucking with my whole brain and body and my whole life. life. <laughs> okay. So another thing I wanted to talk about from um, the article was the a study co- conducted by Yale University School of Medicine looked at anniversary re- reactions in veterans of the early 1990s Gulf War. Several years after the war, each veteran, along with his or her spouse, was asked to kind of go over what had happened the last 12 months. And they were asked to rate like the best month, the worst month, and then they mm-hmm. linked them up with trauma events that happened to them while they were in the war. And actually, the spouses of the veterans were much more reliable in naming the worst month. I could see that. Because as we all know, our husbands see it coming a mile, or our partners see it coming Mm -hmm. a mile away. And the PTSD symptoms lined up with the months in which their trauma had occurred. Reported external signs include emotional distance, irritability, and disturbed sleep. Can we say irritability with an exclamation mark? Everyone annoys me. Everyone. And I'm I'm sorry. Everyone annoys me. And I emotionally distance too. And mm -hmm. from my own fucking kids even. Yep. Oh, 100%. My kids annoy me. My friends, I love you, but you annoy me. Like every – and it's not so much that they annoy me. It's like also the responsibility of having to call people back and text people back. And remember at the beginning of this, I said – to you, Janelle, I was like, my phone is overwhelming me because I have messages. And you were like, why? And I was like, I don't know. And that was all at the same time. And it was, it was like the responsibility to respond to people 
Everyone annoyed me. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I really didn't want to talk to my husband. Everything mm-hmm. my kids did, when they smacked their food, when they talk in baby voices, everything was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. And it makes yeah. you feel like the worst parent and yeah. partner, but it's so natural. And I know you even said this morning, my kids are being so annoying. And I was like, <laughs> they brief check. Like Great that's why check. I was like, can you just go, can you just go take a nap? <laughs> because you uh, also, just do. Like, you in my defense, yourself. fucking Mikey at the park today went like this to another mom, like huh, right yeah. at her face. Of course and so he did. I, I was like, um, I'm so sorry. He's been doing that at swim lessons. Like, and she's like, it's fine. I mean, I guess he didn't get any spit on me. And I was like, I just need you to know I'm so sorry. This isn't how we normally are. And I just walked to the car and yep. was like, get in the car. And I didn't even like <laughs> stop. To, I was like, I'm so yep. mad. I'm so embarrassed. But like, that's how it works too. Is mm-hmm. like when you're in the throes of this PTSD reaction, someone's going to do the shittiest thing because your kids pick up on it too. And that's a really hard but important part to remember as I keep trying to, you know how they always say like separate the child from the behavior. Like don't Mm. say you're naughty, say what you're doing right or whatever. I try to separate my child experiencing my grief reaction from Mm -hmm. my child, but they are picking up on it also. Mm -hmm. And so I have to keep reminding myself like they're seeing their mom kind of spiraling and don't know how to react. And I pulled him aside and I said, you know, mom's having a hard day because it's Bumpa's birthday. And I really need you guys to try to be a little bit better listeners because it's very hard for me to even walk into these swim lessons right mm-hmm. now. And they were, of course, my seven-year-old was like, yes, mommy, yes. And then my four-year-old was like, and I'm going to fall in the pool and then spit yeah. on the lady. The older your kid is, you have to remember, even if they were young when this mm-hmm. happened, they're experiencing it in their own way. With my oldest, this week has been difficult. We had a nighttime incident and that hasn't happened. I don't know the last mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. I also found a book that my mom made him. So we went out of vac- we went on vacation. My son was probably like two and my mom was watching him and she was like, I'm gonna make this his vacation. And so she took him all these places. They had adventures every day. She made him homemade like meals that I loved as a kid. And she took pictures the whole time and then she made him a photo album. It was in the attic And the other day I was cleaning his room and it was out. And I was like, hey, like, were you looking through this? And he was like, yeah, I was just really thinking about, he called her Grammy, Grammy. And I just really don't understand why she had to die. She was really special to me. And then he just looked down and walked out of the room. And I was like, shit, like, it's not just us. Like, it's our kids and it's so hard. And I mean, and he dealt with it completely different than I did. I get mad and angry and he's on the what you would quote typically expect, like the sad Mm -hmm. and the, you know, let's reminisce about mom and, or Grammy and all that stuff. And I'm just over here angry and running. (laughs) Zach will do the same thing. He'll just be like eating breakfast one day and he'll just start crying and be like, I really miss Bumpa. And it'll just be like Mm -hmm. a random day out of nowhere. And then I'm just, but those days I'm not in the throes of it. So I'm like, yeah, I do too. I Mm -hmm. understand. He would have loved you so much. Like da, 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 da. But right now he's like they don't they don't really understand that this mm. is like I don't think oh, this was like this was yesterday so it was oh <laughs> it was triggering so oh yeah no. but at the same time I don't know about you but like you hate to see your kids sad but at the same time it's also like I'm really glad she meant that much to him yeah and he had that relationship yeah even though you hate your kids 
being sad. Like, because it passes down the legacy, which is something mm-hmm. that we just so desperately try to cling to. I desperately try to cling to all these memories of my dad because I feel like mm-hmm. – Poof, he's gone in 20 years. Is anybody going to even remember this person that was bigger than the whole universe to me and to so Mm -hmm. many people? And your kids clinging to that and my spouse, my husband clinging to that. It's Mm -hmm. like anybody that clings to anything of my dad's is so special to me because they're one of the people that will carry his legacy on for us. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, he he, to me should be – you know, bigger than any celebrity and remembered forever. They should be talking about mm-hmm. him like um, bigger than Steve Jobs. Like he's just, he was everything to me and to so many people. And now he's just like, poof. Mm-hmm. Like, and so anybody yep. that hangs on to any part of that legacy, our kids, anyone is so special to us That's that so I true. can't even. So Janelle, what do we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say I you did you. give me my, so my girlfriend gave me great advice because there were some aspects of my life that I needed to improve. And, you know, I told her, I was like, it's funny because I have a podcast and I'm great at giving advice unless it's my own life. And she said to me so many times, like, here's the advice you've given me. And I had to sit there and write it down. And it was so true. And it was simple things like, have you talked to your husband on how you're feeling? Well, no, I just assumed he knew. Have yeah, you, why don't you right? Have you made her? a list of your priorities that absolutely have to be done? not what you wish to be done. The laundry doesn't have to be done today. Mm-hmm. Feeding your kids has to be done today. And I was yeah, like, "Yeah, you're right. And she was like, you're the one that gave me this advice. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you can't remember it when you're in the throes yeah. of it. You need the other person yes. to bounce it off. And that's why you and I are very lucky to have each other because we can literally yes. like – we go back, we take alternating mm-hmm. weeks of like giving each other yep. therapy because our anniversary is kind of like bob and weave. So like yep. you were last week, now this is my week. And then yep. next week will probably be your week and then it'll be my week. <laughs> yes. And so then I remember coming to you and you were like, you need to get up and get out and do something. Go for a run. And I was like, I can't, I hurt my hip. And you're like, then go for a walk or do yoga or just sit in the sunshine. And so I did. Yeah. And I felt so much better. Just I just sat in the sun and then I did some gardening work and I did a little bit of walking and I just couldn't sit there and ruminate. I had to occupy my mind and you knew that. So thank you. Uh huh. But I think that's also another important part. And like, I'm not going to diagnose your hip injury, but Jenna has a mm-hmm. hip injury currently. And this was another part of the study along with the mind, the body remembers and a not so coincidental occurrence of physical problems occur around anniversary dates. Um, did you know this? Okay, but usually they are. So for example, in a 2015 study, and this is trigger warning, this talks about infant or child loss. Um, and we'll note it in the notes. Um, in a 2015 study, researchers in Stockholm University tracked nearly 50,000 parents that had lost a child between 1973 and 2008. Bereaved mothers who also died between 1973 and 2008 had an increased chance of dying during the anniversary week of child's death especially of a cardiovascular-related event, which you've heard everyone say they Mm -hmm. died of a broken heart. The association was even stronger among mothers who had lost a child over 12 months old. So, like, I'm not saying your hip is because Mm -hmm. of bereavement. However, we have to realize that this isn't just our – people can say, like, oh, well, grief, you know, they're talking – psychological mumbo jumbo like there is concrete studies that show that your body has a physical reaction to loss i have a story that goes with that and i i've never heard this before janelle likes to keep her article secret either i surprise Um, jenna sometimes with new things (laughs) 
And it makes so much sense. Okay, so when my mom passed away, my dad already had Alzheimer's. And even after my parents got divorced, my dad told me all the time, I love your mom. Your mom means the world to me. Like he never lost that love for her. And I was the one that had to call and tell him. And I kept telling my brother, I don't know if he fully understands. And he would call me every now and then and just be like, did it really happen? And I'm talking about like in the first few days. And then we didn't really talk about it anymore. So then when my daughter was born, we went to see my dad. And she was, like I said, two or three months old. I can't remember. And we went to go see him. And my brother surprised us. And him and my dad went on a walk. And my dad at this point is very limited communication. And most of what he says doesn't make sense or it's stuff from way back when. And if you get a coherent thought, it's like lucky. And so he says to my brother, where is she? And he kept saying to me, I can't find her. Like this whole trip before my brother got there, I can't find her. I want out. I don't understand. And I didn't know what he meant. And I kept saying, thinking he was talking about his wife. And I was like, she's right here. She's right here. It wasn't his wife. And then he goes on a walk with my brother and he's like, where's mom? And my brother was like, dad, she died. And my dad was like, what? Where's mom? And he said, my dad just broke down and started sobbing and was like, I miss her. I miss her. I miss her. We leave Florida to come back home. And my dad took a drastic turn for the worse. And I think that's why I had a hard time understanding how my dad got so bad. Cause I was like, I was just walking and talking with him. What do you mean? He can't talk. He can't eat. So that makes so much sense because it was almost like maybe it he fully did that to realize then. exactly because mm-hmm. then the rest of the trip he just kept telling me like I need her I miss her I want her when we were leaving he was like trying to get in our car like take me with you take me with you and we didn't understand we thought it was related to my mom but we were like yeah I don't really know and it's awkward because his wife was right there and we didn't want to be like <laughs> how about you talking about lady? you how's she looking <laughs> but you know what's funny is that my mom was always like you know. When your dad starts to decline, he's not she my mom didn't like his wife and she was like she's not he's not going to remember her he's only going to remember me and sure enough yes honey <laughs> yep and so then that makes sense why a few months later he passed away that's really it interesting finally clicked when your brother finally like got through to him and got into yeah. his like deeper brain and said it in person face to face that's insane. Nothing kills me more than having to hear that your dad had to be told so many times about your mom because that's oh just like gosh. opening the scab over and over and over again. I can't imagine trying to explain to somebody that has memory loss issues over and over yeah. and over again that someone's gone. Like, And then he just start randomly talking about the weather and I'm like, you realize what I just told <laughs> you, Do you even you, right? care? <laughs> it was so difficult. <laughs> like I would get so oh. frustrated. I was like, I can't right now. I got to go. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, Okay, so let's talk about from this article, five tips to handle our own anniversary reactions. Yes. Tip number one, prepare. If you see a therapist, arrange to see them more frequently than you would normally, which I did. I did two two of my therapist appointments a week apart, and then I also have art therapy happening. Um, but there's no... There's no amount of preparing that can truly prepare you for it. Mm -mm. But I feel like it's nice to feel like you have a safety net. I don't think you can prepare to make it less awful, Mm -hmm. but you can prepare in case the bottom falls out to have Mm -hmm. support. Um, Commemorate, which I had not been doing a really good job and I'm really excited to do. So 
we donated to St. We donate to St. Jude's every year for my dad because that's where he wanted all of his extra funeral money to go to. Or that's not where he wanted to go to, but that's what I right. picked because he loved kids more than anything in the world. Um, and then my dad, long story of my dad loved uh, the kids smashing watermelons and loved Oreos. So we're doing that today. So make a donation to a nonprofit they would have loved. Um, sign up for an associated charity event. You may feel empowered and liberated. Number three, remember that this is temporary, which I think is mm. so important, especially if you are new to grief. It feels forever. It is not forever, but if you're brand new, it is going to take a while. Mine was so dark for six months, I can't even remember most Mm -hmm. of it. But as the years become further and further out, they're going to be sharp, but they're going to be shorter in my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Anniversary reactions usually subside within a few weeks. I've worked with patients whose anniversary distress can last as long as a season, but most most have a tough couple of days or weeks and then come out noticeably lighter. So mm-hmm. remember, there is another side to this after the terrible side. Yeah. This one I thought was huge, and I have never really understood this until my sister sent me this article. Number four, beware of the birthday effect, which Jenna and I have been talking a lot about. I have not been able to celebrate my own birthday since Mm -hmm. my dad passed. My birthday brings up the most triggering reactions to me, and I had never figured it out. And it is a similar phenomenon. Trauma survivors may also have spikes in grief or sadness connected, unconnected to the trauma anniversary. For instance, Mm -hmm. the holiday season is a big one, but birthdays pose a particular challenge. Mm -hmm. Why? Folks with PTSD often believe they will die young or otherwise face a four- shortened future consequentially birthdays become fraught with anxiety as they sense the end is nearing which jenna and i just talked about today how we're giving our kids to each other because we're both convinced we're gonna die young because our parents did i mean i've told my family that i can't see myself living past like 40 or 50 i've never seen myself as an old person but i think also i never saw my parents as old my parents, my dad was 60, maybe 61. I'm really bad with numbers if you haven't figured that out. My mom was in her 50s and mm-hmm. I never saw them old. And my my mom and I look a lot alike. And so I can't picture what she would have looked like old. So why would I be able to picture myself old? Oh, that's so interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. And so my grandma is old and my grandma, both of my grandparents are still living, but I don't look anything like them. I look like my mom who, yeah. And it's just, it's so weird to me. And so even we have a will and we keep it up to date. Like when my, Mm -hmm. when we, right before I had my daughter, we went in and made a new will because I needed to make sure she was in it because I was like, if I die in childbirth or any time after, and it's not up to date, not that I'll spiral because I'll be dead, but (laughs) I want to make sure that. (laughs) You can spiral while you're dead. Jenna, if anyone can spiral after in the afterlife, it is you. (laughs) I can do it. I can bring that. (laughs) You'll bring your spiraling ass ghost back down. (laughs) Yep. So when I tell people that we have like a full on will that we went to a lawyer, they're like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. we do. Because I mean, and it lists everything. Yeah. This is what like, we wish for man. our kids. Ours is like, I think my sister takes our kids, but then she has like a money manager. And then she has yep. like also a decision manager. Like there's like, yes. my kids have a team in Same place. Here. <laughs> and then I even have, if plan A doesn't work out and they die, I even have plan yep. B. Like, <laughs> yeah, we have plan and it's, B too. It's that, yeah, it's that spiral of, 
I don't want this to happen to my kids. And if it does, then I want them to be safe and I want to be in control. I really do. I want to say where they go. And a big part of us making our decisions was based on uh, me knowing how painful losing a parent is. And me, I would probably have picked different people had I not lost a parent. I needed the person that would be the sweetest and lovingest Mm -hmm. and snuggliest to my kids because I know Mm -hmm. that's what you need when you lose a parent. Had I not lost a parent and made this will, I'd have been like, who's going to make sure my kids go Mm -hmm. through high school and are successful? And now I'm like, I don't give a fuck if they're successful. I want someone that's going to snuggle them for seven hours and stay up in the middle of the night with them while they cry. That's what we (laughs) talked about. I was like, I need someone to love my babies and understand and yep. um, take the day to just lay on the couch and rub their heads if they need it. I don't care what yeah. they become. Just get yep. them through this. And personally, with my birthdays, now that I'm in my 30s, I find my birthday very difficult because I think if I follow my parents' path, I'm more than halfway done with my life. And shit, <sighs> I'm not ready for that. I just got a palpitation talking about that. <laughs> I know. And but yeah. this is but that's a trauma response which I learned mm-hmm. at art therapy this last week. And she was talking to me about when my mom got sick with her mental health issues and she was like, So how old were you? And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I think I was like ten or eleven. And she was like, So how old would that have made your mom? And I was like, I don't know, probably thirty seven. And she was like, How mm-hmm. old are you? And I was like, thirty six. Mm-hmm. And she was like, So you're coming up on the anniversary of your mom getting sick. Are you scared yep. you're gonna get sick? And I was like, No ever asked me that before. I'm so afraid every day. And I was just like, and so like, you can have trauma reactions to things that were just traumatic in your life. This doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be around death. I didn't realize that I was coming up on the age when my mom got very mentally sick. That is something that was weighing on my heart that I couldn't get out until I was drawing like a shitty picture of a car at my art therapy session. So there's traumas lurking in the back of your brain that you're not even bringing to Mm -hmm. the table, let alone these horrible grief. And that's another thing I wanted to touch on is when you said, you don't see yourself. I've never seen myself as getting old either. However, we did see our parents get old, but in a very scary way. Exactly. I don't know if you saw this. I saw my dad go from a buxom six foot three, 300 pound gorilla to a man whose thigh was the size of my forearm in a matter of four months. I watched a man who had always taken care of his appearance go from this healthy hulk to a shriveled human being in a matter of months. Mm. And so we didn't see our parents grow old, but we also watched this like extremely hyper terrifying version of them looking like an old person, but it was Mm -hmm. because of sickness. And that in itself is traumatic because- Watching someone that it was always been this pillar of strength go from everything and more to you to this like sad person in a bed withering away is just Mm -hmm. something I wouldn't wish on anyone ever. (laughs) And two points with that. So first of all, my mom had breast cancer when she was 29. And when I turned 29, I have been very diligent about I think I am only only have to go to the midwife like every three years for a checkup. And Mm -hmm. I tell them, no, I want to go every year. And they've been accepting of that. Because that was very triggering. Like when I turned 29, I was like, I'm going to have breast cancer. And now I'm 33, which my husband told me today because I thought I was 31. But I am 33 and I still am completely healthy and not following my mom's path. But I still can't get that out of my mind. But also, no, with seeing your parents pass the way we did, it is so traumatic because I can't even imagine what they were thinking and feeling 
for one. And two, I don't want my kids to go through what you and I went through. And so I think it's just very, very triggering. And so whenever these dates come up, I think about not just the date of their passing, but all those days leading up to it. And I can't tell you how many days it was because it's all a blur, but I know with both parents, it was multiple days and I was living in this hell of watching them. I mean, take away somebody's humanity when you take away every function of their life, basically. But there's still, with my dad, he wasn't fully cognitively aware or so the doctors say. However, I think he was because he was pacing and he just, you could tell mentally he wasn't exactly right. And I shared a lot of his artwork from when he started to really go downhill and you could see how dark it got. And I think that was anxiety because he knew what was going on or confusion because he didn't know what was going on. Either way, both of those are awful. Probably both. Mm -hmm. And then with my mom, she was modest in a way because she wanted to just be seen as like the mother. She never wanted us to take care of her. She wanted to remain composed in front of friends, family, everyone. And when you take away somebody's ability to get up and use the restroom, to change their clothes, to brush their teeth, to hold down food, I mean... It just broke my heart because you, she was mentally aware. I'm yeah, 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 every function. And that was so hard. And honestly, like the weeks leading up to it, I remember those. It's not the happy memories. I agree with you too, because I remember my dad was strapped down to the bed because he'd fall asleep <sighs> and then he'd wake up and try to pull one of his tubes mm-hmm. out. And you'd call me and be like, Janelle, he, he would not remember. He would get my brother confused. A lot. And I think it's because my brother reminded him of his dad. Um, He would get my sister confused a little bit, but he almost always called me Janelle. He called me Kate, my mom's name, a couple times. But he would call me and be like, I need to get unstrapped. They need to unstrap my arms. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. tell me that person isn't cognitively aware Mm -hmm. and they're not able to get up and use the restroom when they're strapped to a bed. And it really was not the dignified way you would want to see someone you love go. And that's why Mm -hmm. I always say, like, I hope I just poof into the night air and my kids never have to watch anything like that. But I guess it was a gift in its own way that we got to see – and be there for them as they struggled to leave. But it was something I would never wish on anyone. It is not like the movies. And honestly, it's uh-uh. a fear of mine to suffer like either of my parents did. I mean, yeah, in the movies, day. you always watch them. Even when we watch like the medieval movies, the, someone's mm-hmm. always tucked in bed with their hair and beautiful curlers. And mm-hmm. they look a little bit hollowed out in the cheeks. And right. that ain't the game. Like we didn't even take – I have a lot of pictures when I was seeing my dad at the end. We never took pictures of his face because mm-hmm. we never – We didn't feel that was dignified for him because Mm -hmm. he had, you know, the feeding tube and different things and his hair was starting to grow back, which he always kept his head clean shaven. Mm -hmm. So all the pictures are like from behind and we never took pictures of his face. We took pictures of us holding his hands. We just never wanted him to have to feel like that was exposed in him. I think I have one picture of him because it was just my brother sitting next to him, but it's yeah. just it's a it's a grimy bad mm-hmm. situation and for us to not feel it year after year would make us bizarre robots mm-hmm. i feel like and i don't know about you but personally the longer it goes on the more memories pop up from that week yeah. not the happy memories yeah. but the memories of that yeah. week and one of my friends was sharing she has a podcast as well and she was, she just lost her dad and she was talking about picking up her dad's ashes and he was writing in the front seat 
And she was like, I remember his physical body being there. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I can remember that. I can remember going and saying, I need to pick up my mom and getting her. And then I remember taking her with me to Roanoke where we buried her. And we were making jokes, but I remember also the wind being knocked out of me because I was like, two weeks ago, she was sitting right here talking to me. And now she's in ash. And it just hit me. And I was just like- It still does. Yes. I didn't even have that memory at all. I completely blocked it out. And so these little Mm -hmm. things will pop up and it's like, whoop, there's another one. Whoop, there's another one. Like, can you give me the happy ones instead? (laughs) I'd prefer that. No, no happy here. But I agree with you. Like- We still have my dad's ashes and we joke about like, is he coming on vacation with us? Yeah. (laughs) Because like, we'll be like, does he want to come? If we go to Fort Myers, he's going to come, right? And I remember the funeral worker, my, the lovely funeral director walked in and handed me my dad and he was like, he's Mm -hmm. a heavy one. And I was like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, he was a big guy and like took it. And then I was like, oh my God. Like he's heavy because he was so big and we're joking about how heavy his ashes are. Like, I mean, what else can you what? do at this point? Like, what do you do? Like, it was like at the end of his funeral, the funeral director went and picked him up from the crematorium, which was so nice. So we didn't have to go do it. And then he handed him to me and was like, oh, he's a big guy. And I was like, it was like taking a baby, but I'm taking yes. my dad's ashes. And they're so heavy because he was so big. And then literally, if you put the ashes on the front seat, it recognizes a person yes, being you have there. You in. the seatbelt motherfucking yep. chime. Like, it does. What horror yep. show are we living in right now? Exactly. So we had this <laughs> joke, um, right? We took my mom to Roanoke because we were going to plant her ashes with a tree there. And my mom loved fashion and loved her shoes and her jackets and everything. So it was always a joke that she never carried her luggage on a plane because she had so much. You're right. She had to have her hair products and all this stuff. And it was just something that made my mom her. And so in Roanoke is where her brother and her mom live. And so I took a picture of mom's ashes in the front seat and I sent it to him. And I was like, first time in her life, she didn't overpack. Like, you just kind of have to get dark. And I was like, and they didn't respond right away. And I was like, did I just cross the line with my family? Turns out they didn't have service. And luckily they like laughed, but I started panicking. I was like, I just sent that to her mom and her brother. And they think I'm awful. Like... They know you have to say some demented stuff to get through. We did the same thing. We were driving back from Minnesota to Virginia. And my husband, you know, every night we would stop, my husband would bring in our suitcases and my dad. Because he's like, if someone breaks into the car, I don't want him to steal your dad. And it was so weird to be like bringing in the suitcases and my dad into the hotel room because he's not sleeping there. The irony of some of these situations are so awful that Mm -hmm. there's just no way to express. No. The, I mean, you just the have silliness to, of yeah. it. You have to laugh and you have you to make have it to silly laugh. because otherwise your brain would implode at the horrors that it is trying to take in. All right. Last but not least in the article, number five, find support. Mm-hmm. Don't be ashamed that you're still de- dealing with trauma years later, but it's never too late to start looking for support. I've seen people reclaim their lives 10, 20, or even 50 years after their trauma. Shop around for a therapist. We preach that every time that you like and you trust. There are proven therapy techniques out there and medications that can banish nightmares and soothe other symptoms. Mm -hmm. If sleep disturbances go on for too long, you will never heal. I know that my sleep disturbances are just this weird anniversary phase. 
mm-hmm. and they will go away. But in the early days, if your sleep is disturbed for long enough, it will have psychological impact on you and will delay your ability to heal. So if you're mm-hmm. in the early days and you need some medication to help you sleep, please get it, please take it, and please get yourself some sleep because you can't deal with grief on no mm-hmm. sleep. I promise. I've tried. You can't do it. I can't remember if it was one or both of my grandparents had to take medication to help them sleep because they both lost a child. Like my, it was like my mom's mom and my dad's mom. And I would, I told them they were kind of embarrassed. And I told them I was really proud of them. And they were like, what? And I was like, remember, it's not forever. Like, let's get through this. Let's get over the hump, work on some coping mechanisms, but you can't work on coping mechanisms when you're running on E. Your body is in fight mode at that point. And yeah. It's just trying to survive and it's going to do crazy things. Like you need the sleep. That's what happened to me today. I was I haven't slept in like three days and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go work out because I'll get those good endorphins going. We got this. And I was like, what would Jenna do? Mm-hmm. Jenna would tell me, and you did tell me, put out a mm-hmm. movie and lay down on the couch and take a nap. And I just pulled a hoodie up over yep. the front of my head and was like, don't get off the couch. And I slept so hard that the yes. kids had to wake me up before their babysitter got here. And now I feel like a new person because my brain Good. is able to start processing things again. It's and true. sometimes, and I, when's the last time that I just fell asleep on the, I don't, after I got my COVID shot, my second COVID shot was the last yeah. time I fell asleep on the couch. And before that, it's been a year probably. Mm-hmm. So like that shows you how desperately I needed to just shut down and reboot. And I will say with these days, and I have to remember this myself or weeks, whatever your grief period is at that yeah. time, yeah. one, it's okay to do whatever you want and whatever you need. If you yes. need to nap, nap. If you need to watch TV all day to distract your mind, do that. If you want to go running, do that. But listen to your body. Don't listen to society. Don't say, society tells me I should be crying. Society tells me I should be visiting family. Do you and do what you want. There have been times where I don't want to be alone and times where I want to be alone. And you have to listen to that. I'm sitting here preaching to myself as well because I have to remember that. But I will say this year on my the grief anniversary, I lined stuff up to be social as well as to be alone. But I told everyone, okay, I'm lining this up, but I'm not committing. One of my good friends- can't commit. She was like, do you want to come over tomorrow night, like the night before my dad's anniversary? And I was like, yes, but I don't know if I will. She was like, I can handle that. So I didn't because that's when I crashed. So we're meeting up next week. I appreciated that beyond belief that there was no like, are you sure you don't want to come tonight? It was just like, okay, let's do like next week. I promise and- it'll make you feel better, girl. Like exactly. Just, if you're a yep. grief support person, know that we are flaky as fuck and there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do and it has nothing to do with you. Like mm-hmm. I needed to just lay down on the couch and shut down today or I was yep. not going to be good to anyone. Sometimes I need to be out of the house for the entire day and some days I need my mm-hmm. kids and my husband to leave and leave me alone. Like – yep. There's and it's not going to be the same year after year. So don't say, no. okay, last year I really needed to be alone because then if you block yourself off to be alone, you might be <laughs> you want to be with somebody more than people. It's crazy. Yes. None yes. of it is linear. None of it follows a protocol. It's going to be mm-hmm. different year after year. I didn't have this much trouble. I don't remember with my dad's birthday last year. I had a lot, the most trouble with my birthday. And this year I might have no time. I might throw a big old party for my birthday, but my dad's birthday crushed me this year. Yep. Crushed me. Yep. <laughs> and my husband always schedules things that can be easily moved and canceled and changed. Oh, like, bravo. Yeah. Like Mother's Day, he had we had all these plans and I was like, 
I want to get a tattoo and look at RVs. And he was like, all right, let's do it. Like, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, yep. that's the same. And so, I said, to, I said to my husband, I was like, I love you on Father's Day, but I need to go if we're going to do we're going to go on our first date post COVID. And I said, I need to do it on Saturday in case I'm a wreck on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to celebrate my husband preemptively mm-hmm. on Father's Day because he deserves to be celebrated, but I might not be in a good place on the actual day. That's and so, so smart. having – and even if I say to my husband, like, I'm a wreck, I can't go tonight, he'll be fine with it. And like, be okay with whatever your grieving person needs and just be there to support them and know it has nothing to do with you. They don't not want to see you. They don't find you to not be a supportive person in their life. They just are fucking flaky. Yeah. And that's and be okay right with now. your decision as well and what you need. That mm-hmm. took me a long time. I thought I had to, for Father's Day, do all these certain things and celebrate these certain people. Well, those people know how I feel. And if they really know that's me, true. they know how I felt about my dad. So yeah. even though it's been on my to-do list for a week to do something for Father's Day, here we are, what, three, four days out and I have nothing planned. Mm -hmm. I told my husband that and telling him that was such a relief. I was like, I love you. And this holiday is not about you right now and not about how I feel about you. It's about grief. And that's the headspace I'm in. And he's probably fine with it once you explained it to him, right? Oh, he's com- he knows. He's completely fine with I it. I told Josh that last year. I was like, I can't do it this year. I'm sorry. I love you. You're the most exceptional father to our kids. But I need you to know like your yeah. kids are celebrating you. And mm-hmm. I need to kind of celebrate my father. And this mm-hmm. year, I feel more comfortable putting them together. But we're still a yeah. few days out. Who knows how I'll feel then? But understand that if you're the person on who thinks like you're – maybe you're having your birthday party and your friend is like, I'm sorry, I just can't come. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling really weird about my – death anniversary of XYZ. And this doesn't just apply to parents. This applies to people that have lost children, who have lost friends, who have lost jobs, like grief manifests. And I'm also going to link another podcast that's 13 minutes long. I don't know if I sent this to you yet or not. Um, that just talks about how you have to honor your grief or it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. It's from Life Kit on NPR. And I'm really trying to allow myself to sit in my grief and feel yep. it and let it happen. Today, I would have never laid down on the couch and taken a nap. I would have gone downstairs and worked out on my treadmill until I couldn't feel feelings anymore. But I knew mm-hmm. what Jenna said and just take a rest and reset was the better choice. And I feel 200% improved. So thank exactly. you, Dr. Jenna. You're welcome. <laughs> well, and I think that's a great point because there is a fine line between doing what you feel like your body needs to do and doing it to avoid the feelings. That's what I was planning. I was planning an avoidance yes. run. Yes. <laughs> and so when I say, I don't want to be at home, I want to go out and get a tattoo and look at RVs, it's because that's what my body wanted. And the tattoo I got, it was at my, on Mother's Day and it was to commemorate my mom. And yeah. As odd as it sounds, but like the little bit of pain associated with the tattoo is almost like a healing thing for me. And that's then, not a weird thing. That's <laughs> millions of people say that. Is <laughs> it? I'm like, uh. And oh, then, that's a super common thing that people do it for. Right. And if I was like running away from this whole thing, I would have just said like, nobody talked to me. Nobody look at me. I don't want to be around anyone. But I wouldn't have taken that. Sister wives like right. you're normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wouldn't have taken that time to sit in my grief. And if you find that you're using substances to cope with that, then that's also a big warning sign that you're not in the best place. There's a difference in cheering somebody and celebrating and then drinking to numb or using to numb. 
And it's so common and it's so do what you need to do. I want to say thank you to my friends who have understood. Um, Even with my girlfriend, when I was spiraling, we were supposed to have a play date that morning and I canceled it, but then I still ended up at her house, but I couldn't label it as a play date because I was like, I need to be productive and I need to solve this problem. And she was so cool with it. And I sat in her living room and I let Fucking myself cry. Find those people like, and stay with those people and hold on to those people and thank those people because they mm-hmm. are the truest gems in the whole wide world. Yep. And then Janelle, listen to my ramblings from however many miles away you are. And they're my favorite. Yep. It's Jen's talk <laughs> show. I love listening to it. <laughs> it's either I have advice for you or I'm spiraling and I need help. <laughs> so. You had to listen. But that's what we go back and forth. Advice, spiral, advice, spiral. And we haven't synced Perfect. up yet. So at least we're always one of us is always giving advice and one of us is always spiraling in opposite weeks. So it really works out well for everyone. Um, what will, but if what you need final... help, reach yes. out to us because <sighs> I hate to say it, but I've in the last six months had a lot of friends who have lost parents. So even if I'm yeah. not the person for you, I have other people that I can hook you up with or podcasts I can recommend or resources because you're not alone. And grief is not just for the people who have lost somebody. If you're in the process of losing somebody or have the fear of it, I had the fear of losing my mom so many times. I called my family two or three times before my mom actually passed and said, this is it. You need to come because I was so scared. If you have a family member or a loved one that has a terminal diagnosis, you're not alone and you're grieving and that's okay. And we're here for you. And it's okay to grieve other things too. They talk about that on the Life Kit episode. There's people and you included, and I hope this isn't upsetting to you, but they talk about people who lost family members during COVID and didn't get to go to funerals. Like Mm -hmm. you get to grieve not only the loss of the person, but the loss of the ability to celebrate. There's a lot of people that didn't get to go to funerals during COVID Mm -hmm. for people they loved. And that fucking sucks. And it hurts my heart so bad because you need that closure as a human being. We need to grieve the fact not only that you lost a loved one, but also that you didn't get to commemorate Mm -hmm. the loved one the way you wanted to. And you can grieve a job loss and you can grieve Mm -hmm. the loss of my husband lost a lot of his happiness in not being able to travel and entertain this last year. Like You can grieve a million things. COVID is going to have grief effects on future generations. Our kids were abruptly ripped out of school on a Friday and never Mm -hmm. went back and saw their friends. Like there's a million things to grieve and small, Mm -hmm. they call them, I want to say they call it indiscernible grief, but that's not right. But they talk about it a lot on the episode, which is grief that people don't, like people feel like they shouldn't be able to feel sad when their dog dies because there's people that have it worse. Your grief is your grief. I had that happen to me today. I had a friend who lost a dog and it was a very close relationship to this dog. And she told me, you know, I've been thinking about you a lot. And then this was over text. I quickly saw the bubbles and it was like, I don't want to compare it to your parents. And I was like, no, like grief is grief and loss is loss. Like it does not matter if it is a hamster or a parent, your body Mm -hmm. is going to react how your body is going to react and your heart is going to react how your heart is going to react. It does not matter. Loss is loss. It's, we don't, we don't, us at the high end of the, like say we're at the top of the grief pyramid because we lost, we're not. People Mm -hmm. that have lost children win. 
the grief Olympics, but like people that lost parents young, we aren't any better than the person grieving that they lost their hamster or their cat. Mm-hmm. Like the, if you love something, you're allowed to grieve as long and in any way that you want. It's, yep. We don't feel like we deserve more of the – it's not a pie. Like no. just because I take <laughs> this much grief doesn't mean you only get this little sliver because it was your kid. Exactly. Like everybody exactly. should be able to grieve the whole way they need to. Yep. And so if you are coming up on holidays, anniversaries, anything, our biggest advice from this, and it was a learning episode or as a learning moment for Janelle and I, and we said this needs to be talked about is take a step back and say, is this grief? And if it is, then implement some of those steps and reach out for help. If it's not grief and you still feel like you're spiraling, then get professional help and try and figure out what is going. Call your doctor, call your therapist and figure it out. But this is very eye-opening for me because grief has really gotten to me this year um, for many reasons and is portraying itself in a completely different way. So yeah, we said that I wrote that in something I wrote today. Grief is a sneaky bitch. Like Mm -hmm. she, she, she shapeshifts every year. She's going to come in sideways. She's going to slither in like a snake while you're sleeping. Like there's just no rhyme or reason to it. There's no rules. It sneaks up and you can't discern it from depression and anxiety. I said, I was sitting there at the park today watching my kids and I was like, this is what I felt like when I had fully unmedicated depression. Mm-hmm. I could barely walk over to the playground to yank Mikey off that slide. Like I was like, like it felt like I was walking through quicksand, which you hear described mm-hmm. in depression a lot. It's Funnel so vision. hard to identify. Yes. And even just mm-hmm. right now, I shook my head side to side and I was like, oh, little dizzy. Like yep. it's all happening. And I would think this was just plain old depression. But if you th- if you can't tell if it's the de- if you don't know if this is grief or depression, Go on psychology today, which we always say, and look up a grief counselor and just Mm -hmm. say, you know what? I want to get an idea. If you think, do you think I'm dealing with bereavement or do you think I'm dealing with depression? And they will help you. But get probably say yourself. Because grief causes anxiety for me. She's like, I just wake up in one morning and she's like, knock, knock. Guess who's here? Hey, baby. Guess who's here? I'm snuggling in. You got some coffee for me? Let's have seven cups together today. (laughs) I try and lock the door and she's like, I got the magic key. (laughs) Kevin, it doesn't Jenna and I always joke is that grief tries to convince us that seven cups of coffee will make it better, but it's actually mm-hmm. just the gateway drug to a full panic attack. <laughs> like when I was writing on my form this morning, it was like, list your parents' health status. And I was like deceased and I had too much coffee and then it made me anxious and it's all like squiggly. The second one is like deceased. <laughs> and that's another thing that sneaks up on us too, because you and I both this week had to fill out forms and write that our people were deceased. And that fucking it's the sucks. Simulation. Every doctor's appointment I go to. Yes, every doctor's appointment I go to, I'm mm-hmm. like, is it going to be a form where I have to write dad's dead? Because I can't yep. wait. Because the um, last time I had to write that, right? The last time I had to write that was probably over a year ago. And now it's like, let me sneak this in during this anniversary. Set hey, fucking Bob behind his keyboard mm-hmm. in his simulation. Fuck you, Bob. Oh my God. <laughs> so with that, call your therapist and take your meds. We love you. 